I guess I should jump into this because I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me right now. I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to preach like, what if this was the last time I would? What would I do? Um, so, you know, I, I need to get comfortable a little bit just because I kind of move around. Um, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. We'll start. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. From this text, I want to preach to you on the title, The Beloved Community, The Beloved Church. The Beloved Community, The Beloved Church. Pray with me. Father God, do what you want to do right now. Say what you want to say. Bring forth your word in truth, in power, that I would merely just be your vessel, your vehicle that you have chosen to use to say what you want to say in this season at this moment. For you know better than I what it is that your children need, desire, hunger for, thirst for. So speak to these, your children, my sisters and brothers. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, a few months ago, I received a call from a social worker at a high school in Minneapolis. And she said, there's a young man that recently transferred to our school, and from, from everything that I can tell, he is a gifted young man, talented young man, smart young man, but he's been struggling a lot lately, struggling to go to class, struggling with his grades, beginning to struggle in his behavior. And I received your name from a friend of mine who is also in education, and she thought it might be worth something to have you come and speak to this young man. Would you do that? 
and I agreed. And so I went to the high school. Now, prior to being the senior pastor at the Sanctuary Covenant Church, I was a youth pastor for about 12 years. But it had been a while since I had been in a public high school, and especially in a public high school cafeteria. So I went to the school, met the social worker during the lunchtime, went down to the cafeteria, met this young man, and we went into the lunch line at this school. And so for the first time in a long time, I picked up one of those plastic um, or those foam public school lunchroom trays and went through the line looking at public school cheeseburgers, public school chicken burger, public school fries. Now things have changed since I was in high school. If you don't like the public school cheeseburger or chicken burger, you now, you know, like Taco Bell is there and Pizza Hut and stuff like that. But I, I decided to be very bold and courageous and I got a, a public school chicken burger and some public school fries and a public school chocolate milk and I sat down with this young man and I said I know that you don't know me but I'm willing to listen so if you want to talk I'm not here to to, um, come down on you or tell you what you need to do or how you need to change I'm really here to listen and so he began to talk and he said you know not too long ago my father took me out to lunch, and he said, "Um, you need to know your mother and I are splitting up. It's not working out between your mom and I, and I just need to let you know that. He said, now, while your mother and I were arguing, she revealed to me that I'm not your real father anyway. So the father or at least who he thought was his father, pulled out a pair of brand new tennis shoes, and he said, this is the last gift you'll receive from me. He said, because since I'm not your real dad anyway, it doesn't make much sense for me to keep coming to your games and us hanging out the way we were hanging out and me talking the way I was talking to you as if you were my son and I was your dad, because now that we know that that is not true, it does not make sense for us to keep going like this. And then he took him home. And and this young man looked at me and he goes, I think that's when my problem started. (laughs) And I just listened. And I was fumbling over at this moment what to do next. Tell him he needed to be saved. Tell him he needed to turn his life over to Christ and he needed to go to class every day and be on time and be a good young man. Tell him how important it was to get his grades up. Give him a lot of statistics about African-American males in the Twin Cities. They give him some statistics about African-American young men in Minnesota, that there's a higher percentage of African-American men in Minnesota in prison than in college, and why it's so important to get his, his grades up. I was fumbling with all these responses of what I'm supposed to say to a person. I'm a pastor, don't you know? And I realized what that young man needed was love, and connection to a heavenly father. I'm wrestling with this because as a pastor, I'm realizing more than ever before that the church needs to be positioned to be an agent, a community, 
an institution, a revolution, a movement of love of God's love in the world. And I, I, I'm not going to stand here like I'm convinced that everybody is choosing church because they know that's what it's supposed to be about. Some people choose church based on who's preaching, what the music is like, where, where it's located, how the kids are being taken care of, you know, a number of reasons. But I think people stay in church if there's love. If there's a sense of community, if there's a sense of belonging, if there's a sense of a love so large, so big, that it transforms my very life. And I'm not so sure if we were to give a state of the church today that we could say across the board, the church's primary function is loving on people. And so here in chapter 4 of 1 John, I want to lift up to you today some elements of what it means to be the beloved community, the beloved church of God, to be a force of love in the world. There are young men and young women that feel fatherless and they're wanting to know, is there a God somewhere that would love on them? Is there a father? Maybe it's not a biological one, but is there a father somewhere that sits on high that dispatches love? Verse 7 says, beloved. Beloved means dearly loved, well-loved, loved on real good. I mean, that's a ghetto commentary definition of it right there. Loved on real good. You know, a kind of love that a Love the hell out you. You know, I mean, I love the hell out you, love. A, a dearly loved, a well loved, a completely loved, an awesome love. And the church is supposed to be a community of the dearly loved, the well loved, people that know what it means to be beloved. If you're going to be a beloved church, you have to be full of beloved people. Now, verse 7 also goes on, and it lifts up love by saying, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Now, there are two definitions for love in the Greek right here. One is agapao or agapeo, and the other is agape love. Now, agapeo or agapao love means a simultaneous being loved by God and then loving somebody else. It's a simultaneous supernatural event of the love of God being bestowed upon you and then moving through you that it might impact somebody else. Chapter 3 of 1 John says, how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. The love of God is so big, so awesome, so intense, so passionate, so revolutionary, so radical that it's like a flood. It's like a flooding shower that comes over you and on you and you become drenched with it and it's so much it's so awesome it's so big that you can't contain it and so the love of God comes on you it showers on you you become immersed in it you drown in it and then the flood of this love moves through you and it begins to impact somebody else you become like a virus I mean you become infectious I mean the love of God is contagious it gets on other people it's like a cold if people get around the love of God is like the 
flu. If people get around you when you have it, they might get it too. They might catch it. It might get on them. They might go, because I'm around you, I am now sick with God's love. I am crazy. God's love is on me just because I got next to you. That's the kind of love God wants to move through the world. I told you I feel like preaching. Y'all better get a second mic ready just in case. I'm going to try not to tear this one up, sound man. I promise. I promise. Look, I'm, I'm trying to do it right. I'm going to put it back on here. Okay, well, it's got tape on it, so Greg must have already broke it once. The first element of being the beloved church, the beloved community, is you must be loving. You must be loving. And this love doesn't come through your own natural power. It comes from God. To love, you must be beloved. And when you live in the truth of being the beloved, you now are able to live out the element of being loving. I hope this makes sense. You know, and when I've been marrying couples recently, I say to them when they're at the altar on the wedding day, I say, look, I got to tell you something. I, I got I to let you know something right off the bat. And I look at the groom and I say, you do not have the power in and of yourself to love her the way God wants her to be loved. And then I look at the bride and I say, I got I to gotta tell you some news. I hope this doesn't break your heart. I hope it don't disappoint you. But you don't have it in and of yourself to love him the way God wants him to be loved. You don't have it. You can't do it. Don't even try. Now, do y'all want to go on with this? Okay, you do. Okay, well, because if you kept some receipts, you can get your money back. Now, we don't, we don't, we don't have to move on with, okay, well, since your mama's here, okay, we'll keep going. And, and, then, and, and so I say to them, the best shot you have at putting together a godly marriage and it's sustaining to death do us part, I said, groom, you got to get up in the morning and say, God, love my wife through me today. I give you permission to love my wife because if I try to go through the day loving my wife in my own power, it's not going to work. I say to the bride, what you have to do is you have to get up every morning and say, God, love my husband through me. You, I can't love him in my own power. I need you to love him through me. When I see dirty socks on the floor, I need you to love him through me because when he's on my last nerve, I can't, I don't know, God, you, if you don't love him, he won't get no love today. I'm going to tell you that right now. Whatever love he needs, you're going to have to give it to him through me because I'm tired. Because this is what happens, sisters and brothers. People go into marriages trying to love one another in their own power. And, it, and it's consuming, and it's draining, and it's tiring. And then what happens is one day you wake up so tired, so burnt out from trying to love in your own power that you go, I don't want this anymore. I, I can't do this. Of course you can't. You're, you're absolute, you're darn right you can't. 
But that doesn't mean you got to divorce. It means you got to realize who can do it, not you. But what people do is they go, I don't, I, and so, and so men walk out on marriages. I can't love those kids. Of course you can't. I can't love her. I can't do it anymore. I'm through. I can't, I'm through with that church. I can't be there anymore. Of course you can't. I can't, I can't tithe there. Well, of course you can't. It wasn't your tithe in the first place. When you realize where love comes from, where resource comes from, where anointing comes from, where gifts come from, you'll realize that you need the giver of gifts and love in order to do what you need to do to live. Verse 10 says this, and this is love, not that we loved God. But he loved us, which means you can't even love God in your own power. You need God to love on you and through you so God can love back to God's self. <laughs> you can't even love God right without God. God got to use you to love God back. I mean, that's how powerful it is. God will love on you, through you to somebody else, and then back up into the heavenly realm to himself. That's, how God, that's a loving God right there. That's a whole lot of love going on right there. That's a loving God. I don't think we realize in this room how much God loves us. Who would go to hell and back for you except God? Who would love on you when you ain't even thinking about him except God? Who would keep loving you even when you curse him to his face but God? God, who would love you even when you don't want to read his word or sing his songs or pray his prayers, but God. God loves you when you ignore him. God loves you when you want a divorce. God loves you when you walk out on kids that he blessed you with in health and strength. God loves you when you quit the job that God gave you. God loves you when you won't clean the house he blessed you with. God loves you when you won't put an oil change in the car he blessed you with. God loves you when you're selfish and messy and racist and sexist, and ignorant, and, and despising, full of malice, just nasty. God loves you when you're a freak, and you just got thoughts worse than a rated R movie. You just, God will love you anyhow. Where else you gonna get a love like that except Jesus? You ought to shout just because God has loved you anyhow. God has loved you in spite of. When you weren't good, God loved you. God will love you ashy and nappy and messed up and tore up from the floor. I told you I feel like preaching right now. I don't know what Greg Boy's doing right now, but I know what I feel like doing right now. Good God Almighty, that's love. Have you ever just, you need to take a whole day retreat, take a day off of work, and you need to go someplace alone and just let God love on you from nine to nine. I dare you to do it. I dare you to try to figure out how big God's love is and see what he'll do. I dare you. I dare you to get alone. I dare you to go to a lake and not fish, but let God mess with your heart. I dare you. I dare you to go to the cabin and close the door and see what God... I dare you to get a prayer shawl and get under it for two hours. I dare you to try God's love. I dare you. I dare you. I, I dare you. Now, I got to move on because I got like five points, and that was just the first one. <laughs> so to be the beloved church, you got to be loving, and you can't get that in your own power. The next verse that I want to look at 
is um, verse 12 says, no one has beheld him at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Verse 16 says, and we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. The second element of being the beloved church, the beloved community, is we must abide. We must be an abiding church, an abiding community. We must, one, be a loving church, a loving community, and two, we must be an abiding community. Abide means to stay to remain, to dwell, to endure, to persevere, to be in it for the long haul, to be in it, to win it, to refuse to move, to refuse to lose. Enduring and abiding is about saying, I am not just going to allow God to shower his love on me. I am going to plant myself in the soil of God's love. And as God rains on me, so the rain of God is love and the soil of God is love and as he rains on me in his soil I will grow I will stay on the vine I will stay rooted in God's love I will not move you need to be an abiding believer you need to say no matter what I'm not leaving I'm staying right here abiding is staying power it might get rough a storm might come I was I noticed something about the tsunamis there was one guy who was on Oprah, and he survived the tsunami because he grabbed hold of something that wouldn't move and he wouldn't let go. And because he wouldn't let go of something that was unmovable, he survived the storm. This is what I'm trying to say to you right now. God's love is unmovable. It, 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 it's rooted in the kingdom of God. And you need to learn when the storms come how to grab hold of something that won't move. <laughs> Jesus won't move. You see what I'm saying? Uh, God's kingdom, you can't tear it down. You can't shake it. You can't uproot it. And you need to learn in the midst of a storm how to abide. And that means to grab hold to God's love and don't let it go. Don't move. When the tsunamis of life come, you can live if you hold on to something that won't move. Now, some of the things you're holding on to, it will move. Not in a tsunami, it'll move in a thunderstorm. Are you holding on to something that's not well-rooted? And because it's not well-rooted, your life is no longer well-rooted. Are you willing to not only be loving, but be abiding? The next element that I want to look at is found in verse 15. It says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. The third element is to be a confessing church. Uh, the first element is to be a loving church, a loving community. The second element is to be an abiding church, an abiding community. The third element is to be a confessing church, a confessing community. And this works itself out on two levels. One is we must boldly proclaim and confess Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, as life 
as salvation, as transforming. We cannot be ashamed to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's my banner. He's my answer. He's my wisdom. He's my revelation. He's my way out of no way. He's my life after death. He's my all in all Jesus. Now, the other thing that we have to confess is that we are messy people. We are flawed. We, we, we're not right. We need help. You, you see what I'm saying? I mean, we just need to admit this. We just need to be okay with saying we're messy, flawed people. And that's why we can confess Jesus. You can't confess Jesus if you can't confess that you're messy. You see, you see what I'm saying? Look, brothers, let me tell you something. If you're married, just, just look. Let me give you a little secret. She's flawed, okay? That's just the way it is. She's messy. She's going to make me. It's not the time of the month. She's flawed every month. Yeah, I need to get out of here. Uh, it, um, women, it, it, it's not midlife crisis. His life's a crisis. Just so you know. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I hate to disappoint you, but we're flawed people. And we try to point to natural things, biological things, physical things as an excuse for being flawed. We try to point to our money or our body or we try to point to something in the, in the external uh, as an excuse instead of uh, denying the fact that it's our unwillingness to hold on to something eternal. We're, we, but this is the problem. Most people are not going to confess that they're flawed, messy people in need of a savior. Why? Because in the church, many people aren't convinced that if I confess my mess in the church, that people are going to love on me when I confess it. People feel like if I go to church and confess, I'd rather tell Dr. Phil, at least Dr. Phil will let me sit down and he'll grab my hand and say, oh, we can fix it. At least Oprah let me sit on the couch, you know what I'm saying, and talk to me about it. You, you, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but in the church, they, they'll make you feel like you just lower than low, like you just, the worst thing, that you're just about to bust hell wide open by the way that you're living. And so, I, I mean, especially men. Men don't talk much as it is. Researchers say that men only say 3,000 words a day compared to, I don't know, the 50,000 that women say. <laughs> and and most, most of the words that women say are in the context of questions. Where are we going? What are you doing? Why is that? Are you doing that? You're kidding me. I mean, you know, stuff like that. Where men, most of our 3,000 words a day is, is filled with stuff that's not even real words. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what? Oh, you're kidding me. What? what? Uh, look at that. <laughs> oh, 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 what? No, what? Huh? Hey, hey, where's the remote control? You know, stuff like that. So we don't talk much as it is. And if you create an environment where we don't feel that if we do talk, we'll be loved, we really won't talk. You see what I'm saying? Where is the place where I can confess my stuff? Where is the place when I can be real and say, my thoughts, I'm, I'm having a problem taking captive my thoughts. I'm having a problem with my eyes. 
I'm having, see, I'm, I'm even afraid to say that because I'll start saying that. And in my mind, as a man who's a preacher, I'll think, well, if I say that, they're going to think something's wrong with me. And maybe there needs to be an investigation on my character and my integrity. <laughs> so, so, see, I mean, that's why we don't talk. Because when I, it, confession should not feel like sitting on the, the, the stand at a trial. Can, is there consequences in confessing? Sure there are. But, but why can't there be healing in confession? Why can't there be deliverance? Why can't there be freedom? Why can't you confess something? This is my issue. The church talks about repentance, but we don't talk much about restoration. Where can I go to be restored? Yeah, I messed up, but can I be restored? Can I recover? Can I be redeemed? Can I be treated like a new creature? Or do I always have to walk around with this yoke on the back of my neck, feeling like I'll never be this? Where is the restoration? I need to confess my mess, but I also need to be loved on. I need to know if I confess this to you, will you still hold my hand? Can I still cry on your shoulder? Will you walk with me through the pain? Even if I go to prison, will you at least come visit me in prison? Will you at least come the Lino Lakes and say, we're still praying for you. Even though you're behind bars, we love you. Where is that church at? I want to lift up the last element in verse 17. It says, by this love is perfected with us that we might have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. This word perfected means finished. It means consecrated. It means completed. It means made whole. We, we need to be a loving church, an abiding church, a confessing church, and we need to be a perfected church. A perfected church is not just a one-moment event. It's saying, I am on the road to wholeness. I am on the journey with God. The reason I let God love on me every single day and move through me is because I am on the road to being the perfected Christian. I heard a pastor once say that a Christian is one who stays on the road to become one. <laughs> you see what I mean? A Christian is one that stays on the journey to experience what it really is. Uh, when you come to the altar and you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, your salvation is secure, but you could still live hell on earth if you are not on the road to sanctification and completion and wholeness, and the road must run through the church. There ought to be roadways. There ought to be on-ramps in the church where people that are hurting can not only get saved, but they can get on the expressway of wholeness and completion in the church. The elements of being a beloved community are loving, abiding, confessing, and perfected. Now, that might have been real heady. Might have been over the top. Maybe some of the jokes offended you. So, let me close, if, if, if this first part wasn't helpful, I want to give you a very simple strategy for being a beloved Christian. If you know the difference between Batman and Superman, 
you know what it means to be the beloved of God. Women, if you know the difference between Batgirl and Wonder Woman, I'm trying to keep this simple now. If you know the difference between bad girl and wonder woman, you know what it means to be the beloved daughter of God. What do I mean by this? Well, let's talk about Batman for a minute. I hope this doesn't depress you, but Batman is not a real superhero. <laughs> I'm sorry to break the news. Batman is Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne saw his mother and father shot and killed when he was a boy, and his anger carried him into a dark abyss, and the dark abyss caused him to create an alter ego known as Batman, someone that can only come out in the night, in the darkness, and he sits in a cave and he wears a mask because he doesn't want to, anybody to know who he really is. So he's put a mask over his pain, his anger, his insecurity, his doubt, his fears, and he wears a mask and he puts on some boots and a cape and he sits in his cave and he creates gadgets to try to get through life and fight evil and he creates gadgets and he works on his computer in the darkness. He is so desperate when he's fighting evil that he needs the help of a 70-year-old butler named Alfred. When you need the help of a 70-year-old butler, you are in desperate straits. I mean, you are in trouble when you got to call a butler in the bat car saying, what are we going to do about the bank robbery, Alfred? And could you make me some tea? You're in trouble. <laughs> and when you are an adult that is living in darkness with a mask on, you will raise kids living in darkness with a mask on, which is why he took this boy and put some yellow tights on him and some boots and put a mask on him and gave him not the most masculine name in the world, Robin. And now the insecure boy and the insecure man are living life in darkness together. This is the life of Batman. Batgirl is doing the same thing. Batgirl's name is Barbara. She is not a superhero. And just because she tries to make her mask and her suit look sexy and glamorous, she's still masking stuff all the same. She wears a mask and she's being glamorous and sexy and cute and she's on her motorcycle, but she's not being who she really was born to be. There are people that go to church like this there are pastors that pastor this way. Pastors that get up and they wear a mask and they're heroic, but you never get to see who they really are. All you know is that they're just coming in fighting evil, using their powers that they've learned over the years. Many of us burn out and we die on the vine because we don't feel like we can allow the churches we pastor to see who we really are. So we put on our mask and our cape and we put on our belts and our boots and we go to church every Sunday and we try to give you the best sermon we possibly can. And we sweat and we dance and we shout and we try the best we can to get you to go. What a heroic pastor. And then we get home and we cry as we take off the mask and try to be who we really are just for a few hours with our wives and kids. What a life. What a life. And before you judge us, take off your mask. 
Do you go to work with a mask on? Women, are you wearing a mask to cover up the pain of abuse? Men, are you wearing a mask of false masculinity, covering up your pain and your hurt, trying to be the best man you can possibly be in your cave, trying to figure out life? Maybe your cave is a TV and a remote control. Maybe your cave, sisters, is a beauty shop, whatever it is. Maybe your cave is the mall. Maybe your cave is the golf course. Maybe your cave is your job, and you sit in it trying to find life. But this is not Superman, mind you. Superman was born super. That's right. He actually is a citizen of another realm. He's a citizen of a realm beyond the natural realm. And because he knows where his citizenship lies and he knows where his creator is, he has superpowers in the natural realm that he received from the realm where he came from. <laughs> he was born to fly. He was born to jump tall buildings. He was born to see through walls. He don't need that cape to fly. He could be butt naked in because he was born to do it. It's on the inside of him. Nobody had to teach it to him. It's been in him. Before he was formed in the womb, he had it. Oh my God, my God. Wonder Woman was born a Wonder Woman. She was born on an island of Wonder Women. She has citizenship in another realm. She's wonderfully made. She is the precious cornerstone. Wonder Women can look in the mirror and say, I was born wonderful. I don't need nipping tuck. I don't need the swan. I don't need extreme makeover. I don't need make me a celebrity. I don't need Vogue magazine. I like my hips and my lips and I ain't changing. It's who I am. Love me or leave me. I'm a wonderfully made. Oh, y'all like that part. Woo! I could have had a woman, now I'd lose conference right there. <laughs> Do you know, ladies, that you were wonderfully made from birth? My God, my God. You are a wonderfully made woman. When the bullets of sexism come, you ought to be able to deflect them because you're wonder woman. When's the last time you got in your invisible prayer closet and got with the Lord and let him love on you and remind you of the wonderfully made precious cornerstone that you are? You are the beloved daughter of God. You're Wonder Woman. You're Wonder Woman. You're Wonder Woman. You're Wonder Woman. The wondrous works that you ought to be doing to advance God's kingdom in this earth because you're that wonderful. You're that wonderful. Has anybody ever told you how wonderful you are. God would love to tell you every day, moment to moment, so you can stop the obsession with trying to live by the world's standards of face and body and features. You could, you could get out of the matrix of the oppression of the slavery that is upon you and trying to attack you if you would only put on the Wonder Woman life that God has created you to live all along. Brothers, 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 don't you know you're Superman? 
man. You were born to see through the walls of false masculinity so that God could look into your heart and you could see God's. You are Superman. You can fly, brother. You can fly over hatred, over anger, over doubt, over fear. You can fly over principalities and powers from evil places. You were born to fly, Superman, Superman, Superman. Would you get into the telephone booth of the kingdom laboratory and rip off your shirt and let your S be shown to the world? Superman, what have you been waiting on? Superman, Superman, Superman. There is a world in distress looking for some supermen. There are fatherless boys looking for a superman. Is there a superman anywhere? Ah, we need supermen that are African-American and European-American and Native American. We need Latino supermen and Asian supermen. We need them in shapes and sizes and colors of various kinds. I'm looking for a superman in the house. And a superman is not afraid to get on his knees and fall on his face before God to get his power source right. Oh, I don't need to say nothing else. (laughs) Sister, play that song again just to be close to you. You got to get close enough to God, ladies, so that you can know the wonderful woman you are. Brothers, you got to get close enough to God so that you can know the superman you were born to be. Could we sing that song together just, just one more time? Oh, the lines are so simple. They're so simple. Just to be close. Just to be close. Yeah, yeah. Just to be. I want to be close to you, Jesus. Just to be close. It's my just to be. I want to be close to you, Jesus, just to be. Is there anybody here that needs to get close to Jesus just to be? It's my. All right, let's not delay any longer. The Spirit is here. God is in this place. If you're a woman in here right now and you know that you need to reclaim your position as a wonder woman, I want you to stand up right now. If this message was for you today, if you are saying, I'm the one, it's me. God was speaking to me. I gotta be the wonder woman God created. This ain't, this word ain't for everybody now. This, this stand ain't for everybody. This is a stand for a woman that says, I'm ready now. Oh, you didn't mess with Satan. You didn't mess with the wrong sister. Satan, you've been messing with me far too long, and now I gotta put you to death now. I'm about to put on my costume. I'm about to put on prayer. I'm about to put on fasting. I'm about to put on meditation. I might have to put on a new tongue right now. And don't Satan, don't you mess with me now, because I know who I am. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Is there some men in the house that would say, this word was for me? I need to reclaim my role as a superman. If that's you, just stand up where you are. My God. My God. My God. I 
believe I can fly. You don't have to do that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to invite the prayer counselors, the altar team to come forward. I'm going to invite those that stand at the table, that's next steps as a Christian to come forward to your spots. Don't leave here the same person you were when you walked in. Let this be an altar and just through a symbol. Maybe God wants you to come up here and go like this. And it represents taking off your mask and leaving it here. Wonder Woman doesn't wear a mask. Superman doesn't wear a mask. They're who they were born to be. Maybe you need prayer this morning. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ for the first time and get some free resources to help you on the way. Your Wonder Woman, you were born to build God's kingdom. Your Superman, straighten up and fly right. In Jesus' name, God bless you and thank you for letting me be here today.